If you have your Bibles, uh, Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read Matthew chapter 7. Um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to stick there for a few moments. And we have been um, in the series for the last, uh, this is the second month, and we have been in the series, The Best Sermon Ever. And tonight we're going to conclude um, that, that series, and, uh, and praise God, we look forward to, to July and a new series uh, coming up, so, uh, so be ready for that. But uh, we're going to conclude um, the series, The Best Sermon Ever. And what we've discussed in the past uh, two months, we've discussed, you know, Jesus is teaching uh, his followers on what kind of life to live to be blessed. Now, how many of us want to be blessed? Every hand. Every hand should go up. You get a chance to receive a blessing, I'll take it. I want to be blessed. We all want to be blessed in this place. We all want God to, to, to do something in our lives, and we want to live a, live a blessed life. And some topics that we've covered, uh, just to summarize, uh, we've, we've covered kingdom blessings. Uh, we've covered the topic of making a difference. We covered living righteously. We covered watching your words. Uh, we covered prayer. We covered treasuring the right thing. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Bob did an amazing uh, a message on not worrying, talking about worry words, not worrying, but trusting in God. And all of these topics, if we heed the word of God and if we follow what God's word is saying about in, in these very areas, uh, we'll live a blessed life. And there are many more to talk about. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about a heart that honors the king. Now I want to just summarize, well I want to look, look at our, uh, our series text, so if we could read that together, uh, we're going to do that. Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 28, the Bible says this, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Now, as tonight, as we talk about, we dive into the topic of a heart that honors the king, I want to read with you in the same chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. And we're going we're gonna to read that together, we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into this and believe God to, to have his way tonight. I believe God wants to speak, or God wants to encourage us, and, uh, and to direct us tonight. So, here we go, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. The Bible says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Now jumping to verse 21, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Let's bow our heads uh, tonight as we pray and we agree. Father, we thank you, Lord God, this evening for your grace, Lord. We thank you for your mercy, God. We thank you for your presence, Lord God. We thank you for the wonderful work that you're doing in our lives, Lord. And I pray tonight, God, 
that you would have your way, Father, that you would speak your word, Father God, and that our hearts would be prepared, that our ears would be open, Father God, that we would receive your word with gladness, my God, and that we would not only hear it, but we would do it, God, that we would be doers of your word, Father God. Help us to walk out of here changed, different, Father God, ready to do your will, Father God, not our own will. We're thankful, Father God. I thank you for your people who have, who have come out tonight, for those who have tuned in. I pray, Lord God, have your way. Speak your word tonight, Father. We rely on you. We trust in you tonight. We ask in Jesus' name. We all say amen. amen. A heart that honors our king. Now, if we want to talk about honoring God, there are things that we're going to have to look at in God's word when it, when it has to do with honoring God. We're not called to, to honor ourselves. We're not called to lift ourselves up. We're not called to, to do always what we want to do. We're called to do his will as we just read in this scripture. Now, we honor God when we serve others. Our text in Matthew 7, 12 says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. We know this is called the golden rule. This is the, the direction that God's given us. This is how we should treat others. This is how we should live our life. Whatever we want people to do to us, we should do to them first. It's important and true, this rule, this golden rule, because it doesn't say that we must do to others the evil they have done to us, nor would do to us. It says that we must do to them what we would have done to us. This is so important, church, and this applies and can bless our lives in, in, in every area, every arena that we find ourselves in, uh, starting uh, with, with the four walls of our home, with our family. Marriages, husbands, wives. You know, many arguments can be, can be saved, I think, by, by living this rule, by, by putting uh, our emotions and these passions, as we call it, on the, on the shelf, and if we're so angry, and put these things on the shelf, and, and listen and understand what the golden rule is. I should treat that person as I would want to be treated, and it, it, could, it could resolve so many family issues. And then in the workplace, it could resolve so many issues in the workplace if we would apply this to our lives, the golden rule. Whatever you want them to do to you, do that first unto them. You want them to talk to you with respect or with, with, with reverence? Give that respect and you'll get it back. Treat others as you want to be treated. This is the golden rule. This is something that we always have to apply. Now our uh, commentary, and Matthew Henry says this. He says, Christ came to teach us not only what we are to know and believe, but what we are to do. That's the big difference. It's not just knowledge that we seek. I mean, we seek God's word and to get spiritual knowledge, yes, for our lives, but, but God words, God's word desires to instruct us on how we should live, the things that we should do. And what's one of those things? Treat others as you would want to be treated. Perhaps you're going through some uh, turmoil in relationships in your life this evening, and perhaps your mantra and the things that you have lived by has been revenge, perhaps. If someone hurts you, you hurt them back. If someone says something about you, you say, some, you say 10 things about them. If someone said something to you uh, individually and you got hurt, you, you put it on, on social media and you say it to the world about them. We take it far and above when it comes to revenge sometimes, don't we? But that's not the golden rule. That's living out of anger and malice and revenge. 
And that hurts us. In the long run, it hurts us. It hurts the relationships that we have. And I believe those things are mentioned and those things are said and they're spoken out of a hurt heart. But God doesn't want us to live like that. He wants us to live according to the golden rule. If you're hurt in this place and it happens to all of us and in any relationship, we get hurt, we get offended. Man, being offended is the worst, right? People offend you. They say things out of line and you feel disrespected. You feel hurt. You feel, you know, uh, slighted in, in, in a way that you don't deserve. But what is our response? What should our response be biblically? Man, treat them good. Pray for them. Pray God's blessings and help in their life. Pray that God will continue the good work he's begun in their life. Pray for them. Do good to them. So the commentary goes on to say that Jesus teaches us what we are to do. What, are, uh, what we are to do not only towards God but towards men. Not only towards our fellow disciples, those of our party and persuasion, but towards men in general, all with whom we have to do. So everybody, it's easy to treat those people right that, that are on you the same wavelength, right? People that you like and, you know, you feel you have in common with. But what about the folks that, that just rub you the wrong way? What about that coworker? Man, every time they come around, man, they just bother you. You just want to run the other way. You don't want to be around them. How do we treat them? And family, with family members, with family, friendships, in your neighborhood, your neighbors, this applies to everywhere. We honor God when we serve others. Philippians 2.3 says this. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Isn't that powerful? That's heavy, and it's so practical. The Lord's telling us, and it's sometimes so contrary to our pride because we want to look out for our own interests, the things that better our lives, and make us look better, right? We always want to look good. We always want to look right, but the Bible's saying, take an interest in others. Help other people look good. Ministry worker, God sees your labor. He sees your faithfulness. Serve in that ministry with the right heart. Serve with the pure heart. Help your leader. Help that one that God's placed above you. Help them better that ministry. Help them take it to the next level. If it, regard, if it involves working hard, work hard. If it involves sacrifice, sacrifice. As you do that, God's going to honor your sacrifice. He's going to honor you for doing that. Serving others makes such an amazing impression in the lives of those people that we serve. It lets them know how much God loves them. It puts wind in their sails. You know, this past, this past Sunday uh, after church, we had, um, my wife and I and, and my in-laws, um, we went out to eat um, to a place there in uh, down near Bellflower. And I had been there before, but something about this time, it was Sunday, right? So it's, it's after church, or people are out, everyone's going to eat, right? So the line was long, so we waited in line for quite a while. Um, and there's so many people in this place, it was packed. But as we, as we got close to, to ordering, um, there was a worker right there, and, and it was bustling. I mean, all the workers and the waitresses, they were moving, and they were, what they were doing is they were, when people were done, they were getting those tables cleaned up quickly so new people can sit down. And like, we had a party of nine, right? So, so there's, there's one gentleman right there, and, and, and we're ordering, and he's asking ahead of time, before we're even done ordering, how many are in your party? And we tell him, he's like, man, okay, 
So, so he's looking around, and his eyes are scanning the room, and he's posted right there at his spot. And, and, and by the time we got our food, he had, they had a table set up for us, for nine of us. And it was just so amazing because the service, it just blew me away. Well, this is a, a large party. Of course, if it was just a couple people, it's easier to sit them. Sit them. But what I saw is they, were, they just had an eagerness to help, and they were serving. And it just, it made me want to go back. And I'll tell you, I will go back to that place because of the good service. It just, when you get good service, when, when, when you're served, it just, it, it, it does something in your heart. And that's how it is in the kingdom of God is you and I, Serve God as he's called us to serve, and as we help others, it's making an impression in their lives. And it's showing them that God loves them. It's showing them that they're loved, that they're important enough to be served, and God's able to do something powerful in their lives. Why? Because we humble ourselves and we serve others. God does such an amazing work. Never lose that ability to serve others. It'll make an impression on someone that they'll never forget. Amen. So we have to serve others. We honor our king. We honor Jesus by serving others as he came to serve. Can you say amen? Praise God. So we honor others, okay? Let's remember that. We're talking about uh, living a blessed life in Christ, and what are we to do? How do we honor God? We serve others, okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing that we have to look at when it comes to honoring our king is the area of obedience. Now, an obedient heart is the difference maker, we can sit in church for years on end. We can hear millions of messages, but if we're not obedient to the Spirit of God, it's not going to have the effect on our lives that we want it to have. We have to be obedient. And this is a topic that we've heard millions of times before, I understand, but this is a reminder that we have to be obedient. If we want to honor our King, we're going to have to live a life of obedience. Say obedient with me. Obedient. All right, it's not that hard, but, we, but it's hard to do sometimes. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, if you're taking notes, 1 Samuel chapter 13, there's a powerful story here uh, that we're going to read, and this was King Saul. King Saul was anointed by God to lead the nation of Israel, okay? This was a time of war and a time, uh, uh, just, just a time of, of war for the people of God, and King Saul was anointed to lead them. Now, there's a powerful story here uh, when his obedience was tested. How many know our obedience will be tested? Our obedience to God will always be tested. And here was a test that came King Saul's way. 1 Samuel chapter 13. The Bible says, Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal. And his men, his army, they were trembling with fear. The Philistines were around, okay? So they were trembling with fear. It was a time of war. And then verse 8, Saul waited there seven days for Samuel. Now this is important as we're going to learn here in just a moment. He waited there seven days for Samuel. It's a long time to wait for somebody. And we have a tough time waiting uh, 10 minutes for someone, right? He waited seven days. And before we start casting stones and judging Saul, how long would you wait for somebody? You may not have even made it one day. We may not have even made it one day. But Saul waited there seven days for Samuel. Samuel was a prophet, okay? And Samuel, uh, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, so Samuel told him, wait there seven days. Okay, so he waited seven days. But Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he was looking around. He was waiting for the prophet Samuel, and his, his, his troops were slipping away rapidly. In verse 9, so he demanded, listen to what he did, bring me the burnt offering and peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. 
See, this was a work of what the prophet and the priest were to do. This was not the work of, of the king of Israel. This was, he, he stepped out of place. He wasn't supposed to do that. In verse 10, just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me. And you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. He started to point the finger. He started to, to blame someone else for his rebellion. He started to blame, blame the prophet. You didn't arrive when you said you would. He tried to turn it on him. So I said, the Phil and this is King Saul talking, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal. And I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom of Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. God was raising up King, young King David uh, to replace King Saul. So there's a lot taking place here in this passage, but I want you to back up for just a moment and look at 1 Samuel chapter, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 8. What's the big deal about him making burnt offerings and him not waiting? Okay, so let's jump back a few chapters. And this was when King Saul was anointed to be king. And, and the Lord gave him instruction, and, and in verse 8 of 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 8, was clear instruction right here from the prophet to King Saul. He said, And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto you. Okay, this is the, the prophet uh, Samuel telling him this. I will come down unto you to offer burnt offerings. Samuel saying, I will come down to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you, will, you shall tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. If we notice in the story as we read, King Saul, right when he was done doing his offerings, Samuel came. He missed it. He missed, he missed it by just maybe a matter of minutes, maybe an hour, maybe a matter of hours. Whatever it was, it was a small amount of time. And perhaps you're in this place and you've been waiting for something. You've been praying for something. You've been believing God. And you're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to, to rebel and to give up on obedience because that thing that you've been promised or that you, uh, you have hoped to have has not transpired yet. So you're ready to throw in the towel. Perhaps you've been contemplating leaving what God's doing in your life because things aren't working out your way. Brother and sister, if I could encourage you tonight, don't throw in the towel. Don't, don't disobey what God's called you to do because your answer is right around the corner. Uh, Saul's answer was right around the corner had he just held on for a little bit more for a little bit more his kingdom would have been established victory would have came his way if he held on for just a little bit longer and that's God's word to us tonight wait if, if you're in a place of waiting it's not easy we get impatient we want to do things our way God's saying wait hold on 
I'm working. You don't see what I'm doing. You don't, you don't see the schedule sometimes, but I'm, God's saying, I'm working. I'm, I'm going to bring it to pass. You just have to hold on, and you have to be obedient. If King Saul was obedient, if he held out for just a little bit longer, he would have been blessed. But because of his disobedience, the kingdom was pulled away from him. Now, on the contrary, we, we look at our, our Savior, Jesus in Philippians 2.8, what the Bible says about him and his level of obedience. Here we see King Saul and his obedience and the choices he made. But let's look at Jesus, Philippians 2.8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He was obedient unto death. The area of obedience, it can't be compromised in our life, church. God's called us. He's called you as a calling in your life. He's called you to do this. Whatever he's called you to, be obedient with that. Listen to his voice. Listen to, to his leading. Be sensitive to the leading of his Holy Spirit. If he, if he leads you somewhere, obey that because there's blessings and God's will will be accomplished as you and I obey what he's telling us. Jesus not only suffered but was actually and voluntarily obedient he obeyed the law which he brought himself under as mediator by which he was obliged to die. See, church, we're not called to be obedient only when it's convenient, but we're always called to obey God's word and his leading. Now, I want to look at uh, Genesis chapter 12 for, for just a moment as we talk about obedience. And your blessing, I want to say and declare, is in your response to God's word. Now let's look at uh, Abraham right here in Genesis chapter 12. The promise of Christ came through, through Abraham and his obedience. And Abraham is, is the patriarch of the Jewish nation. And, it, and he was just a man, but he was a man that was obedient. And I want to look here in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Listen to the Lord's word to Abraham, okay? The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go into the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Such a powerful promise to Abraham. Can you say amen? But where did it start? In verse 1, the Lord says, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go into the land that I will show you. That's, that was God's instruction to Abraham. Very clear, but a hard saying, a hard task. God's command came to Abraham to, to leave all that he knew, his relatives, his family, because God was calling him to somewhere else. And it even goes on to say, and go to the land that I will show you. So God had not yet even showed him the land to go yet, but God was saying, go, it's time to go. It's time to take that step of faith. Now here's the crux, as I see it in this, in this, in this passage, is in verse four. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed who knows the turmoil? Abraham was a man. He may have had fears and doubts and struggles as you and I do when, when it comes to God's word. 
We know the feeling when God, when God convicts us or he speaks, speaks to us to do this or to do that or whatever he's leading us to do. It may seem like a big task, and this was a huge and insurmountable task for Abraham. But Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith, because it says he, Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. See, the blessing was activated through his action, through his faith. It wasn't activated in the knowledge that God gave him. Okay, yeah, God's going to do this. That's great. No, it was activated in his obedience to God's command. And every day, at every service, or every day we hear God's word, we feel the leading of God's, of God's spirit. What are we doing with that? Are we obeying it? Are we living according to self? Because God wants to move. God wants to bless us, and he wants to bless others through us. And that's exactly what happened with Abraham. Millions and millions were blessed through, through one man's faithful decision. And never belittle the leading of the Holy Spirit, church, brother and sister, because you don't know what it can result in. Maybe your obedience, maybe the next wave of revival is tied into your obedience, into your faithfulness, into you obeying what God's called you to do. You never know. We never know what's tied to that, that obedience, church, but we have to be faithful. We have to obey. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. So powerful there. So we have to be obedient. So we have to serve others. We have to be obedient. And lastly, we have to stay off of the broad road. Matthew seven thirteen. the Bible says this. It says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. There's a broad road, there's a broad gate that many are walking in. We see it all around us. We see it in this world. We see people being so proud of sin, and we see people just, just living their life to, to sin and to, to do what feels good to them. That's the broad way. That's the way that leads to destruction. But the gate that leads to, to, to righteousness and to eternal life is narrow. And the Bible says there are few who find it. Why? Because it's not a popular path. It's not a popular message. Self-sacrifice and doing what Christ wants, wants us to do rather than doing what we want to do. Living for him rather than for ourselves is not a popular topic. But it's gospel. And that's the narrow gate that the Bible talks about. Believer. God's called us to walk the narrow path. Don't be surprised when it's not popular to your coworkers or to your friends or even to your family. The sacrifices that you make for Christ. Never regret those sacrifices. God's going to bless you above and beyond for that, and perhaps in this world, but for sure in the, world, in the, in the time to come in eternity. Stay on the narrow path. It's really tempting to get onto to the broad, onto Broadway it's really, it's really tempting to, to walk through the, through the broad gate because it feels good, because it appeals to our feelings, it, it appeals to our emotions, it appeals to, to our carnal desires and what makes us feel good. It appeals to all that, and that's why the world is walking according to that way. But God's called us to stay on the, the narrow path. The wide gate, it's the easier gate. It appeals to our feelings it allows us to function according to our own feelings and opinions and the things that we think. 
It's not a place of character, but it's a place of having maybe the appearance of righteousness, but not having to live it. It's paved with self-effort and self-exaltation and self-righteousness. But the narrow gate is difficult. It's hard because it puts Christ above ourselves, puts God above ourselves. As we walk this narrow gate, we don't have the luxury to live according to our feelings and our own thoughts and opinions. We live according to God's word. We stand God's word so we understand what he says and we understand what his will is so that each and every day that we could stay on the narrow path. I want the, if the worship team can make their way up. See, church, we have to stay on the narrow path. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to righteousness. You stand for Christ. Some may applaud you for that, but there will be many who will try to shame you for that decision, who will try to look down upon you for that decision. To them, it's not going to make sense. The Bible says the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to those that perish. But to us that are being saved, it's a power of God. Stay on the narrow road, church. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be met with accolades from popular opinion, but it's something that we have to do because broad is a way that leads to destruction. There's a poem that I want to share talking about the narrow gate from Deborah Balka, and I want to close with this. It says, there is only one direction to go, only one road to take. But few will discover the path leading to the narrow gate. It takes a lot of effort to find it, determination to enter through. It takes more than going to church, sitting every Sunday in a pew. For wide is the road leading to death and destruction, and Satan paves it with worldly greed and seduction. There's only one finish line for, for us to race towards to win. There's only one goal to have, but heaven, not all, will enter in. The gate we choose to take will determine our eternal fate, and we must decide if it will be wide or the one that is straight. Topics we've heard about tonight, topics we've heard uh, about before. We've heard about the broad, the broad way. We've heard about the narrow gate. Church, this is a reminder. And as time goes on, the days are getting more evil and evil, as we've seen, as we see out there in the world. And your stand for Christ will become more and more unpopular. But it doesn't matter. As our forefathers have gone before us, as they have stood for Christ, as they have been commissioned to share the gospel with the world, so now is our hour, church. And we have to faithfully fulfill that commission in our lives, in our ministry, in our home, in our families, in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and in our world. We have to be faithful with the baton that we've, been, that we've received. And we have to honor our king, whether it's easy, whether it's difficult. See, we honor our king when we serve others. We understand that obedience is key. It's the difference maker in our lives and in this world. 
And yes, church, we have to stay off of the broad road because narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our heads.